Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. Well, if you're taking notes this morning, you could just title this message, The Journey for a Word. The Journey for a Word. I want to speak to you this morning on the journey to hear a word from God. The journey that all of us oftentimes will go on just to get a word from God. You know, in other cultures, even in other religions, they have different types of retreats that they send their people on to go and hear a word. Um, In Australia, in the Aborigine culture, they send their their children, even at the age of 10, in, in, in Aborigine culture, to go on a walkabout. And they will be on this walkabout where they go into the wilderness up to six months by themselves, even trying to fend for themselves, to find food, without any money, without any bag. They just go out there. And and it's all about hearing a word to find out who they are and what their purpose is in life. Um, And in a lot of different religions, a lot of different cultures, this is normal. Even in Jewish culture, in in the Bible, you find um, even Jesus himself would withdraw from the crowds, would withdraw from everybody to get a word from God on what's next, to hear a word from his father on what's next. I believe this is a week where God wants to take you on a journey to hear a word from heaven for your life. Some of you need direction on what's next. You need direction on a relationship decision. Yeah, yeah, some of you are in a, in a place right now where you're either dating someone and you're thinking about getting engaged or you're engaged and you're about to get married. You're in a situation where you're about to make a decision about school, about what's next. You're also, some of you are in a place where you just need some wisdom on some things that are going on in your life. You need to hear from God. How many of you want a word from heaven this week in your life? You need a word from God. Oftentimes in my life, I've gone on journeys where I needed to hear a word from God. I remember growing up in my home, my parents, they would go through seasons when our church was about to make some big decisions and they would fast. They would give up food um, for an extended amount of time, maybe a week, a few days. And what they would do is they would pray and they would wait on a word from God. Uh, When we were getting ready to start building this building that you're sitting in right here, uh, I remember oftentimes walking into the living room and just seeing my dad face down on the floor and I thought something was wrong with him. I was like, are you okay? And he was like, I'm just praying because I need a word. I need a word. I need to hear from God. I remember many times being in my mom's van and she would just be praying in the spirit, praying in her known language and and she'd just be saying, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, direct us. We wanna be led by God. See, it's one thing to make a decision based on money. It's one thing to make a decision based on someone's good looks. It's one thing to make a decision based on a school's prestigiousness and, and the you know opinions of what your family thinks. It's another thing to make a decision because you heard a word from heaven. I don't know about you, I don't wanna live my whole life trying to please everybody's opinions about what I should do, who I should be. I wanna live from a word from God. So I'm going on a journey. And I wanna invite you on a journey for a word. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18. Yeah, 1 Kings chapter 18. And this is a moment where a man was in need of a word from God. When you're in need for a word from God, it doesn't mean that you're in a bad place. Oftentimes it means you're in a good place because you know you need some wisdom on something that's come up in your life. 
You know you're facing something that's too big for you to handle in your own strength, and you need God's direction on whatever that next season holds, the next chapter of your life. For this man, and I had been feeling this scripture for the last few months, it had been growing inside me, and God said, save it for August. I've got it specifically set aside for the church to go into conference. So I believe this is a word that's gonna send us into this week. Meanwhile, verse 45, chapter 18, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling that day in Israel. Now, what you need to know is it had not rained in three years. The rain had been shut up. Elijah had turned off the rain like you would turn off your faucet. That's how powerful Elijah was in tune with God. He was so in tune with God, he could speak a word and it would literally happen. He said, it's gonna stop raining in Israel. He told the king of Israel, who was wicked at that time, who had kind of been introducing all these idols and idolatry in Israel and, and, and allowed wickedness in the land. And Elijah said, it's gonna stop raining and it's gonna stop raining because God wants you to wake up that this nation needs to change and there needs to be a revival in Israel. Well, as soon as Elijah said it, it stopped raining. And it didn't rain for three years. There was famine, there was drought, there was no, no crops were being produced and, and people were uh, literally at a point of desperation. On top of that, Elijah had just uh, uh, called down fire from heaven on an altar that was sopping. I mean, it was soaking wet. They had poured water on it over this altar and Elijah called down fire. He defied the false prophet. So he was building this, this courage, this confidence. He was uh, uh, overthrowing all the false prophets in the land. He was tearing down idols. And then he looked at King Ahab of Israel after three years, he said, it's about to rain. And as soon as he said it, a small cloud started to appear. And, and Elijah basically said, get ready, a downpour is coming. Well, as soon as he said those words, it starts pouring rain. I believe there's about to be a rain of God's favor on this church on the city of Tulsa. There's about to be a rain. Some of you have been going through a drought, through a famine, uh, through a famine, through a famine. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. I've been out for a little while. Give me some time. I'm going to get it back. There's been a famine in some of your lives and the rain's about to come. Get ready for the rain. Get ready for the rain. And so the rain starts to fall. And as soon as it starts to fall, Ahab who owned the fastest chariot in Israel. He was the king, so he deserved to drive the fastest thing. He had a Porsche, an Escalade, something really nice, you know, but he had, he had all the horsepower he needed to drive his chariot. He was going fast and he got off, he was angry. Give me some angry music, yeah, evil music. When I read the Bible, I hear a soundtrack, right? So Ahab, he's, you know, he's angry. He's mad because Elijah has embarrassed him in front of everybody. And so Ahab gets in his chariot and he rides off and he's gonna go tell his wife Jezebel. But as he's riding off, he sees someone in the distance gaining speed. Look what happens in the next verse, verse 46. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah. See, something happens. What you can't buy with money is the power of God. Ahab had all the money in the world, but he didn't have the power of God on his side. But Elijah, he may not have been able to afford the fastest chariot, but he didn't need it. When the supernatural power of God comes on you, it supersedes what money can't buy. 
The enemy thinks he can take you. I, I believe some of you are about to outrun your competitors because you're about to get into the accelerated speed of the power of God on your dreams, on your callings, on your entrepreneurship. God's about to accelerate some things. The power of God takes you to a whole nother level. So Elijah starts running and he starts outrunning his enemy. And so now Ahab is watching him and Ahab's in his dust. Right? Another one bites the dust. Elijah's running faster than his enemy. He outruns him and he's running right to the city that Ahab's going, Jezreel. This was the place where Jezebel was. Now, Jezebel was the wife of Ahab, a wicked, wicked woman. Everybody say, wicked, wicked woman. Yeah, this lady, I mean, she was, she was bad. And she was bad in a bad way, not bad in a good way. She was bad, bad. She tried to control the nation. Ahab was the king, but Jezebel ran the place. They say that Ahab's last decision was, I do. And from that moment on, his wife made all the decisions in the house. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look around. Holy Spirit, take over in this place. We're not doing an altar call right now. Hold on. Uh, so the bottom line is, Jezebel, when she heard the news, Ahab gets back and he goes, listen, honey. That man, Elijah, he made me look like a fool today. He killed all the false prophets. He called fire down from heaven. <sighs> Elijah's trying to change our country. Elijah's trying to bring revival here. And, and we don't need a troublemaker like that. Elijah's causing trouble for us. He's gonna, he's gonna overthrow our kingdom and everything we've set up. And anytime a Jezebel spirit feels threatened, they react with this insane, irrational, trying to take control of a situation. And so watch what happens in verse two. Jezebel pulls out her cell phone. She starts sending a message, right? She's gonna get a direct message sent right to Elijah because she, she, she wanted him to know this is coming from me. So it says she sent a messenger to Elijah and said, may the gods, and they believed in a lot of gods, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of the prophets that you killed. In other words, what you did to our false prophets, what you did to our team, what you did to our, we're going to kill you, Elijah. Your ministry is over. Your success is over. And Elijah, he reads the message, he hears the message, and he had been running with confidence, but now at this point, something had changed. It says in verse three, Elijah was afraid. The mighty man of God was now trembling because a lady sent a message to him. And it says he ran from his life. He ran for his life. He was running from where he was called to be. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there and he went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He said, it's, it's enough, God. I've had enough of this life. Take me. I'm no better than my dead ancestors in the grave. Take me. Now that I've read that encouraging passage, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, speak to us today. Let us be encouraged. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would refresh us in your presence. Lord, help us to just lean in and hear what the word of the Lord is speaking. God, I pray for people in this room that are facing huge situations. God, people who came today as a last ditch effort to save their marriage, to save their future. People who are watching today that are in need of a word from heaven. God, I pray that you would cut through all the clutter and speak directly to them the way that you spoke to Elijah and his moment of desperation. 
God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would interrupt our fears, our worries about tomorrow, our stress, our intimidation about what people think about us. And I pray right now you would interrupt every distraction that's trying to pull people away. God, I pray for the college student in the room that's believing for scholarship money to go to school. I pray for the husband in the room who wants to quit, who wants to give up, who's tired. I pray for the wife in the room who feels like she's given everything. I pray for the single in the room that's not sure if they're ever gonna find the right one. I pray, Lord, that this message would touch every person here and watching online. God, I pray that it would be the coldest drink of water in the driest desert that someone's walking through. God, that as they drink this word, I pray that it would replenish them, refresh them, and remind them that you're not finished yet. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So like I said, when I read the Bible, I hear music. And prior to the moment of Elijah running into this message from Jezebel, Elijah was on fire, like literally. He called fire down from heaven. This guy was on, like he was on another level. He was in the zone, everybody say in the zone. I mean, he was doing everything right. And as I'm reading this, I hear like the soundtrack, like in the back of Elijah's mind. I, I wanted the band up here. Yeah. Have you ever been in the zone before where you just feel like nobody's gonna stop me? I mean, Elijah was, he was so on fire, he started running. And he was outrunning Escalades, Porsches. He was outrunning the chariots. This guy was like, no one's stopping me. I'm gonna get where I gotta go to. I'm taking over. I'm taking back this nation. I'm gonna bring revival. This guy was unstoppable. Not today, devil. Not today. But then the music stopped. Yeah. You're like, wait, what? Why did the music stop? I was liking that. I felt like we were gonna have a UFC fight in here or something. <laughs> the music stopped because one bad message can stop you in your tracks. One doctor's report can send your playlist to a totally different tune. One word from your wife, from your husband, from your boss, one word from your parents when they tell you something that you, you thought you would never hear. It could take all your confidence that you were running with, all the smiles, all the excitement, all the joy, and instead of running towards your giants, now you're running away from them. Instead of running towards your enemy, now you're feeling oppressed by them, and, and, and the music starts to change, and, and as I'm reading this, I hear him now dragging, and he's going on a journey now. And he's so overwhelmed with fear, he's suspicious, he's looking over his shoulder. And at one point he was so powerful, so bold, but now he's lost his courage. Elijah was afraid and he was exhausted. And it says that he went into the wilderness and he found a broom tree, a shade. And there he collapsed. And he needed to hear a word from God. He needed to hear what to do next. Here he was, he was sitting in the wild, overwhelmed by his own thoughts and his feelings. Have you ever been at a place where you were so discouraged, so desperate, that you just turned off all the noise because the only noise you wanted to hear was something from God, what do I do now? 
Have you ever been desperate to hear a word from God? You see, Elijah didn't realize that he was under spiritual attack. This wasn't a personal attack. This was a spiritual assassination. The enemy was so fed up with Elijah bringing revival to Israel that the enemy came after him. I would say this, that some of you think that maybe you've done something wrong and that's why you're experiencing so much setbacks, but I would say those setbacks are just a, a sign that you're doing something right. You're moving in the right direction and the enemy always attacks a moving object. Some of you have been moving forward and the enemy hates it, so he's trying to push you back. So Elijah was under an assault. And what we find out in the New Testament is that Jezebel, the person, was actually a spirit. The spirit of Jezebel, it, 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 it's brought up again in the New Testament. This spirit is a controlling spirit. If you're taking notes, you can just write this down. The Jezebel spirit, is, it's a spirit of control. It wants to control you. It wants to intimidate you. It wants to manipulate you. It wants to shut down your courage. It wants to stop you in your tracks. It wants to change the music that you're listening. I mean, it literally wants to change your demeanor, your attitude. The enemy knows if he can get in your head, he can control your body. Right, the battlefield is in the mind. It's between the ears. If he can attack your courage and your faith, if he can get you to think more fearful thoughts instead of faith-filled thoughts, he can get you to start running in a direction that's opposite of your calling and your purpose. So Elijah is running into the wilderness because he's afraid. The first symptom of the spirit of Jezebel is intimidation. I want to give you four symptoms of this Jezebel spirit that tries to pull us away from the word, pull us away from God's purpose. And the first symptom of this spirit is intimidation, afraid, intimidated. Elijah had confronted the strongest men of his day, and yet he's afraid of this lady that he's never even met. And, and he's afraid because she sent him a message saying, I'm coming for you. And I'm going to kill you. I'm taking you down. By the way, the Jezebel spirit is not just a gender-specific spirit. It, it operates in both men and women. Uh, we see this spirit operating in King Saul against David. Right? It was threatened by David's courage, threatened by David's um, ability to succeed. And instead of celebrating David, Saul became so jealous, so insecure that he came to hunt David's life down. Intimidation is what was trying to drive David away from where he was called to be. It was, it was surfacing through Saul. The spirit of Jezebel, it wants to intimidate you so that you don't go towards what you need to go towards. I've been in moments in my life where I've been intimidated by people that I shouldn't have been intimidated by. I would have, I would have the courage to talk to anyone in my life except for that one person. And that one person, it wasn't even like they were in a strong, high position. See, sometimes the person who's intimidating you may not even be a, a key leader. It could just be someone in your life that you're afraid to talk to, afraid to confront, afraid in some way that, that, that you're going to lose their, their, I guess, their love, their friendship, and it intimidates you so much so that you think about them often. Instead of living with the fear of God, you're living with the fear of man. And the fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. And I've been there before. I've been intimidated before, and I had to ask God, Lord, break the spirit of intimidation off of me. And I had to remind myself, I have not been given the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. What's intimidating you right now? Who's intimidating you right now? Jezebel, this spirit, by the way, oftentimes surfaces in people who have experienced a lot of rejection and hurt. They've experienced a lot of wounds, and they've grown up in a home where there was domination from one gender in their house. 
For Jezebel, she was rejected by her dad and her mom was a very dominant woman in the house that kind of ran the house. And so Jezebel took that and put it on steroids and she just amplified it. And she became this dominating, intimidating woman in the nation of Israel and she was running things. I mean, Ahab would tell her like just a little thing. He'd say, this person's bothering me. And Jezebel would just do irrational things. She would kill people. She would just take people out, not, not even just fire them, just like, I'm gonna get rid of these people. And, and I wanna encourage you with this. Every person in their life is tempted to walk into that spirit. And you've gotta make the decision. I resist the urge to be a control freak. I resist the urge to get revenge on people who hurt my feelings. I resist the urge to live so afraid of being rejected that I push everyone away from me and I fire everybody and I kill it. You know, like you've gotta, we've gotta watch our hearts that we don't step into that spirit. But we also have to step back and go, is that spirit trying to intimidate me? Am I living in a spirit of fear because of what someone has said? That's where Elijah was. The mighty man of God is afraid in verse three. And so it says in verse three that he was so afraid that he ran for his life and he went into the wilderness and he left his servant there. Look at verse three. It says he left his servant behind and he went by himself. So the second symptom of the Jezebel spirit is isolation, isolation. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. Solitude is when you get away for a few days to hear from God. It's when you get away just to pray and meditate and think on some things that God's spoken to you. It's something that I recently just did um, while Ash and I were on sabbatical. I took a few days just to hear from God. That's solitude, that's good, everyone needs to do that. Jesus even did that oftentimes. But isolation is something different. Isolation is a reaction from feeling afraid, hurt, wounded, suspicious about people, wondering who's got your back. And so isolation causes you to push people away from you that are actually for you. Isolation causes you to put yourself in this place where you don't let anyone close to you. And you almost think it's good for you to just kind of be to yourself, by yourself, that no one knows what's going on in your, I don't wanna share my struggles. I'm gonna pretend like I have no issues. I'm gonna be the most word of faith, faith-filled person that I never talk about what's going on in my life. And God's like, Nobody knows what you're walking through. Your own pride has isolated you. And when you're walking through discouraging times, it's not a time to be isolated, it's a time to be in community. Elijah pushed a servant away that was actually a friend. So the second symptom of the Jezebel spirit is isolation. It wants to isolate you so that it can take you out, assassinate you. But the third symptom of the Jezebel spirit is exhaustion. And a lot of people have been here before. Exhaustion, just so overwhelmed by life, tired, weary. I don't wanna get out of bed. I'm so exhausted. It says that Elijah collapsed under the tree just trying to find shade. He was exhausted and yet he had just won the greatest victories in his life. Literally 24 hours before this moment, Elijah had called fire down from heaven, turned the rain back on, it was raining again. He had outran his enemy and yet one bad word. One negative word can send you spiraling down a path of depression. One word spoken at the wrong time can cause a husband's courage to feel squashed. His confidence, his sense of leadership. One negative word to a woman, it can just 
push her down and, and go down a downward spiral path. But just like one negative word can get you going down, one word from heaven can get you going back up. One word from God can pull you out of suicide, out of depression, out of these feelings of exhaustion. One word from God can save your life. Why should you come to conference this week? Because I believe there's a word on your journey this week that's going to get you back in the place that God's called you to be. So here Elijah is exhausted, he's tired, he's not hydrated. I was hiking recently in Mount Zion National Park in Utah. It was founded by the Methodist ministers and, and they've labeled all these different mountains, different biblical names. They've got Mount Abraham, Mount Isaac, Mount Jacob. They've got a hike called the Narrows and you know biblical interpretations for each part of it. But in one moment I had been hiking for up to seven and a half miles without much water and the only thing I had with me was my phone and I had one little bit of bottled water left. And I recorded myself out there because I was so exhausted and I didn't know if I was gonna make it. So I was saving this video hoping that if someone found me, they would you know, have the phone to give to my wife and to the church. I'm just kidding, I knew I was gonna make it. But I just needed to record it so I would remember how I felt so that in the future I would take more water with me. But I wanna show you what I recorded because I think it's important for the next symptom I wanna share with you from this spirit. Check this out. Whoa, it's like 102 degrees out here in southern Utah, and I only brought one bottle of water. I just got done hiking like seven and a half miles in the desert. And that's all the water I got left. I am super thirsty. Whoa, this is what dehydration feels like when you know you packed too little of water and you're like seeing things and it's crazy and your head's kind of spinning. So pray for me, I still got like another mile left on this hike to get back to civilization and I'm all by myself out here. And somehow I still have reception, which is great. I've got a phone and so I Googled what animals live in Southern Utah and it's mountain lions, um, bear, um, bobcats, <laughs> coyotes, so in Jesus' name, I'm protected. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I made it. Um, you start seeing things when you're tired. You start hearing things. You start believing lies. Someday I want to preach a message on the lies that Christians oftentimes believe, because I feel like the enemy whispers these lies like you're not worthy, you're not gonna make it, this is it for you, things are gonna get worse, that little bump on your arm, you better Google because your WebMD is gonna tell you what that really is, it's a big sickness and disease, it's gonna take you out, it's gonna take your family out. This is what people do, they start Googling stuff and they start going down this downward spiral of anxiety and it weighs on them and then they get exhausted and then I don't wanna get up out of bed, I don't wanna go to church, I don't wanna talk to anybody and isolated. And the fourth symptom is depression. How do you know when you're in a spiritual assault? Depression comes in. There have been times in my life I didn't even know I was in a spiritual attack. I thought it was just me. And when you're a Christian, you realize there is the existence of heaven and hell, angels and demons, there is a good God and there is a bad devil who wants to still kill and destroy your life. That's like the simple theology there. And so we get to choose Christ and choose life. 
but we recognize there's a supernatural, there's a spiritual war going on over our souls and over our minds. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The mind directs the feet. If, if the devil can get in your mind and get you depressed and feeling like you're not worthy and feeling like your life doesn't matter, this is where Elijah was. It says in verse four, he came under the tree and he prayed, Lord, I wanna die. My life is, is, is not even worth anything, he says. I'm not, I'm not any good. My, the, the ancestors in the grave are better than I am. Why is he saying this? He was winning. He was succeeding. When the enemy can get in your head. I told my son Liam just a few weeks ago, I said, Liam, did you know that you have a brain and your brain helps you decide everything you do? And he's like, what's a brain? He's four and a half. And um, I go, a brain is the thing inside your head. He goes, there's something in my head. I go, yeah, there's something in there. And he goes, you know, he knocks on it. <laughs> Literally, he's so funny. And uh, I said, your brain tells your hands what to do. And he starts going like this. And I said, the brain tells your fingers what to do. And he starts going like that in his legs. And he goes, the brain told me to do that? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that without your, your brain telling you what to do. But here's the point, if the enemy can get inside your, your brain, your mind, if he can cause a, a thought storm in your head, if he can get the right song on repeat, if he can get the Jezebel words just on repeat, it's over, Elijah. I remember my senior year, a guy came up to me and said, I hate you, Paul. I didn't even know this guy, I said, I hate you. He said, I'm gonna make this your worst year ever. And then he said this, he said, and I wanna kill you. Like, so I, I went to the principal. <laughs> I was like, this dude's gotta go. You know, and he, the guy was like, I'm not gonna do, I was just kidding. Anyways, we had to, it was a really situation we had to work out, but I was afraid the rest of the year. I was looking over my shoulder. There was this Jezebel spirit. It was literally controlling my courage. I had gone into that year feeling excited, feeling ready to go, ready to run. And one word from the enemy had shot my confidence down to the point where I was afraid to go to school. I was afraid to get out of bed. At times I was afraid. I was constantly thinking that this guy's gonna take me out. Like all kinds of things were attacking me in that moment. I needed a spiritual breakthrough. This is where Elijah was at. He needed a word from heaven in the middle of your fear the Lord wants to show up watch what happens in verse 5 as Elijah is depressed he's calling out for suicide by the way if you've ever been there before you're not alone seven different great leaders in the Bible all had suicidal thoughts and yet God still chose them he still used them he still loved them he wasn't disgusted by their fear or by their depression he said come to me bring it the thing I love about God is God doesn't rebuke Elijah in Elijah's depression Instead, he pursues Elijah in the middle of Elijah's depression. God's been pursuing you in this season that you feel like God's done with you. You feel too dirty for God. I'll never forget when I first heard that song. Man, what a powerful song. It was, um, I am dirty. You plead my cause. You write my wrongs. You know what song I'm talking about? I forget, I forget the, the name of it, but man, when I heard that, it was so powerful because I just thought, how many people have felt what she just sang? How many, I, I, I feel like Elijah just felt so unworthy by God because he was such in a bad place in his mind and heart, and yet God says, come on, Elijah. In verse five, this angel touches Elijah. Everybody say, touched by an angel. 
Elijah was touched by it. You've got an angel with you right now. You've got an angel. You don't have to be suspicious about who's trying to take you out or what's going to take you out next or that sickness or that disease or that financial worry that you've been stressed about. You've got an angel with you right now. The angel touches Elijah and says, get up, get up. The first thing we need to learn about getting out of a spiritual attack, how to, how to combat a spiritual attack, how to go on a journey to hear a word from God. Number one, you've got to listen up, listen up. In other words, you've got to listen upwards instead of listening downwards. Stop listening down to your feelings. Stop listening down to the devil. Stop listening down to what the, the accusations of the enemy have made. By the way, intimidation is just manipulation used with accusations. The devil wants to accuse you of things that you aren't even a, a part of, and yet he wants to pull you into that and intimidate you. The way to get out of that is to listen upwards. What is God saying about you? Listen up. The angel was speaking to Elijah. Elijah had to change the playlist. He had to rip out the headphones, stop listening to the, the repeat song of Jezebel and start tuning in to God's word. The angel said, get up, Elijah. So number two, you got to get up. How do you go on a journey for a word? How do you combat the spiritual attack that's coming against you or your family? You've got to get up out of your fear and you've got to get up into faith. You've got to get up from your depression and you've got to get up into encouraging yourself in the Lord. You've got to get up from your despair. You've got to get up from your pity party. Come on, Christopher Robin. Winnie the Pooh's here and he's saying, get up, buddy. God's not done with you. Some of us, we are so defeated and discouraged. And you know, throughout the Bible, the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's this phrase, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Some people in our church, they go, man, you use that phrase a lot. I feel like it's in all your series. I feel like it's always one of the points. I can count on it. Paul's going to say, get up. It's because the Bible used it as a point in every chapter almost. You got to get up, bro. Pick up your mat and walk. Yeah, yeah, silver and gold have I none, but get up. The Lord says you're healed today. You've got to get up. The, the Lord can't get you up. you got to get up. Some of us want God to serve us breakfast in bed. Just do everything for me. Just do it all for me. God says, I've given you the word. Now you've got to take the word and get up. The angel said, get up, Elijah. I know you're tired. I know you're depressed. I know you're feeling suicidal right now. I know you're discouraged. I know you want to throw in the towel. But, but you got to get up. And then he says, get up and eat. What a good word. And watch what happens next in the next verse. So Elijah looks up and right by his head was a cake baked on cold. What? A cake appeared out of nowhere? And water? I mean, this was Cheesecake Factory coming to Elijah. This was angel cakes. Come on. So he ate and he drank and he laid down again. That's the kind of scripture I want to memorize. I want to circle that. He ate and I will eat and drink and lie down again, right? So he ate and he drank and the angel's like, you weren't supposed to go back to sleep. But number three, you've got to get nourished. You've got to get nourished. This journey that you're going on, you need nourishment, you need food. Some of you are about to start school, you need the right nourishment. Some of you are about to go into secular environments where there's gonna be such an assault against your faith, your theology. They're gonna question why you believe in miracles, why you believe in that Jesus stuff, why you believe in those fake stuff and hypocrites. And they're gonna throw all kinds of skeptical, critical things. And if you're not nourished, you're just gonna believe all that and go, I'm done. I better not believe in anything because that's the greatest way to live, to not believe in anything. No, it's not. It's the worst way to live. You got to believe in something. And the greatest thing you can believe in is not yourself, but in a savior who saved you from yourself so you can get out of yourself and step into who he's called you to be. You got to get nourished in God's word. The cake was right by his head. The word of God is with you. It is right next to you. Listen, in the Old Testament, they didn't have Bibles. 
They barely even had enough scrolls to pass around. They had to rely upon the stories that were shared with them at bonfires from their parents about what happened with Moses. But we, we've got an entire Bible of all the stories, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the Gospels, what Paul walked through, the book of Revelation. I mean, we've got all of it. And he says, take it and eat it. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is nourishment for me. When I'm in a dry, weary season, that's when I need the word of God the most. When I'm on top of the mountain, I need the word of God the most to remind me I didn't get up here. He's the God of the hills and the valleys, Torn Wells. Come on. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Everybody say, get nourished. Nourishment comes from consuming the word and also speaking the word. I've got to nourish myself. I've got to speak it out. There's times where I've been discouraged. A couple years ago, I was in such a, a state. Um, it was more than a couple years ago, but I was in a, a moment of just really intense, like it was an attack from the enemy and it all happened in one moment. It wasn't like a long season. It was like literally in one night. It wasn't even the whole night. It was just in one moment of the night. And I was on a walk and the devil, the devil loves to plant the most crazy random thoughts in your mind. And you know what? That doesn't make you a bad person because it's, it's whether or not you hold on to those thoughts that makes you make bad decisions. You're still not a bad person, but it, you have to dismiss those thoughts. Anyone ever had a crazy thought try to jump up in your mind before? 10 of us, the rest of y'all lying, come down to the altar call. I know the enemy's tried to throw some crazy thoughts your way. I'm almost done. If you raise your hand, I'll be faster. All right, <laughs> I just did. All the men just raise their hand. They're like, I wanna get up and eat. All right, uh, but here's the point. In that moment of depression, when that crazy suicidal thought was just attacked my mind, I had to make a decision in that moment. No, 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 no. I am a child of God. I have a purpose for my life. I will not make a stupid, irrational decision because of one irrational, crazy thought that just jumped in my head. Hello, goodbye. You just need to say goodbye to those dumb thoughts that try to come at your mind about whatever it is that you're thinking about doing. Stop it. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you think small, if you think those kind of thoughts, you start acting out those kind of, you've got to dismiss those, get those out, be renewed, be transformed in your mind by the renewing of God's word. So you've got to get nourished. So the angel comes back to Elijah, he says, eat again, because the journey you're going on in verse eight, he says, you've got to have enough food. So he ate and drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Dum, do do dum, dum, dum. Arabian nights, like Arabian days. Anyways, he goes into the wilderness, into the desert, and he comes to Mount Horeb. Number four, you've got to get moving. You've got to get moving. The Lord wants to speak to you, but you've got to make some movement. Movement is life. Don't get stuck at a bad word. Don't get stuck at a doctor's report. Don't get stuck at an accusation from someone in your life. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to get stuck at one email that just scares you so much that you're afraid to make one move. You've gotta move, and you gotta move towards God. James four verse eight says, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. You've gotta get moving, but you gotta get moving in the right direction. Finally, Elijah's now making movement in the right direction. Some people would say, Elijah just needs to go back, face Jezebel, and, and just move on with this purpose. No, 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 he needs a word from God. He doesn't need to go face Jezebel until he has encountered God. Some of you are about to go back and reply to that email, but you need a word from God before you do. 
You're about to go back and talk to that boss, but my goodness, don't do it in your own flesh. Get the word from heaven before you engage with that situation. So this week is a week to go to the mountain of God. Get moving, show up this week. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. If you can, Saturday night. Tune in online if you can, if you're out of town, if you're traveling. There's a word from heaven, it's coming to you. Number five, final point right here, wait for the whisper. Wait for the whisper. So Elijah makes it to the mountain of God in verse nine. He had been traveling all through the night. He finally gets there and he goes into this cave. I don't know which camera to look at, but I'll just walk here. He, he walks up and he crawls into this cave and he spends the night there and it's dark and he's not sure what to do. And all of a sudden this whisper comes. Look at this in verse nine. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Only you can answer that. What are you doing here? In verse 10, Elijah starts to tell God, I've been working hard. I've been trying everything I could do. I've been doing everything I know to do. But now they're going to come for me. My ministry's over. My life is over. Things aren't looking good. I'm discouraged, God. I'm, I'm confused on the inside about who I am and what my next chapter is. I just, I thought I knew who I was. I was so confident until Jezebel. I was so courageous until Jezebel. I was, I was there. I was with you, God. I was seeing the miracles. But then this spirit of intimidation hit me. And I'm so afraid, God. And I, I've been exhausted. And I know I've thought some crazy thoughts. And I know I've been in depression. But I think I'm still a good guy. And I just need to hear from you, God. Would you speak to me? And I love what God says. He says, come out. Come out from the cave. Come and stand the mountain stand and wait the presence of the Lord is about to pass by the spirit of the Lord is about to pass by and so Elijah walked out and Elijah was used to the spectacular because his whole ministry was built on spectacular moments miracles signs wonders fire coming down from heaven rain pouring down dead coming back to life so look at this in the scripture if we can go to verse i think it's 12 verse 11 verse 11 go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the lord for the lord is about to pass by a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart shattered the rocks elijah thought this is it this is it but the lord was not in the wind and after the wind, there was an earthquake. Shake the ground. Spectacular. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> but God was not in it. I'm just kidding. And then came the whisper. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pick this up next Sunday and finish this message. You gotta wait for the whisper. How many would like to hear some whispers from God this week on some direction in your life? Everybody say, wait for the whisper. We live in a society that is so busy 
I think it's harder to rest than it is to work. My wife said that to me last month because she realized how hard it was for me to be away from y'all because I just really like being here, working, getting in the office, having meetings. She's like, it is so hard for you to rest. I was like, I know, I just... And yet at the same time, it's like, once we do, once we quiet ourselves and turn everything off, like I just took a break from social media um, and just took a break from meetings and, and just quiet ourselves and we get alone in the secret. David said it like this in Psalm 42, as the deer panteth for the waters of my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to When I was a teenager, I'll never forget that song that came out from Sonic Flood. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness, you are there. In the secret, in the quiet hour, I wait only for you, because I want to know you more. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. God's drawing you as deep calls to deep. He says, come. Elijah, come. Come back. I'm not finished with you yet. I've got more for you. I want to get your courage back. I want to give you your joy back. I want to give you that childlike wonder and curiosity and faith. every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here right now and you need a word from God you're in a situation the enemy's been trying to intimidate you overwhelm you um, maybe you're in a situation where it's not necessarily intimidation but it's exhaustion you're just tired and you shouldn't be because you're you're at an age where you should be still having energy but it's like the enemy's tried to make you stop sooner than you should He's tried to weigh you down. And what God spoke to me when, when I was in the wilderness, he said, Paul, I want you to shed everything. Uh, I was on a trail called the Narrows, and the further you went down the Narrows, the, the less you could take with you. It was so tight, you couldn't even, there was places where you had to leave behind your baggage. And God said, I want you to leave it behind, shed it. You needed it in one season, but you don't anymore. If you still needed it, the path would be wider. But narrow is the path that leads to life. Very few find it. It's the eye of the needle. The further you follow Christ, the more you have to lay aside every weight. Pride, insecurity, jealousy, the need to be liked, the need to feel wanted and important, the need to appear uh, influential in the eyes of man. Just shed it. Shed the jealousy. Shed the discouragement. Shed the shame 
shame of your past, the guilt that you've been holding on to, shed it. I want you to be the purest, truest you that I've called you to be. The spiritual formation and growth track that you're on, it, it, there is no retirement age. You're gonna be on this the rest of your life and the further you go, the more you've gotta shed. And so I, I just shed my whole head. I just shaved off all my hair and buzzed it. But I heard God say, I want you to come back a different man. You left one way, but you're coming back a different way. Elijah, you came to this mountain one way, but you're gonna leave a different way. You're going back with the courage that you needed, the joy, the purpose. Some of you are at a season right now where you need to get some things settled. You need to get some things back in your heart. You need to shed some things off. You need a word from heaven. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand in this room. God's speaking to you. This whole message, God's been speaking to you on something specific that you need to surrender. You need to lay aside. You need to let the Holy Spirit confront, pull out, get you back on that track, stir up the appetite for God's presence, for God's word. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. Come on, step out to the mountain for the presence of the Lord is here. It's not just passing by, it's here. The Spirit of the Lord wants to give you liberty, wants to give you freedom, wants to give you confidence, wants to give you the Word this week. There's gonna be a Word that's coming your way this week. The Word is gonna come alive in your spirit. The Word of God is gonna come alive again inside you. He's stirring up the appetite for more. He's saying, you've had enough of the drugs. You've had enough of the pornography. You've had enough of everything your flesh wants. You've had enough of the alcohol. You've had enough of all of that junk that you've been feeding your spirit. It's time to get nourished with the stuff that's gonna get you back on the right track. You've had the wrong song on repeat. I'm changing the playlist. I'm gonna get you listening to the voice of your Father, the voice of your, your, your heavenly Father. And He says, I love you. I'm for you. I'm not finished with you yet. And He says, come. Come just as you are. Come. Bring it. Bring it. We're going to shed it as you come. We're going we're gonna to shave it up. We're going to cut it. Whatever it is that's been weighing you down. I just see God coming in almost just with the razor saying, I'm, I'm giving you a trim. And I'm cutting off some of the thoughts that have been stinking up your mind. It's time to serve an eviction notice on those fear thoughts that have been renting space in your brain. It's time to serve an eviction to the guilt, the shame that somebody said, shame on you. God's saying, shame off you. Shame evicted from your mind. In Jesus' name, no more shame. In Jesus' name, that spirit of Jezebel is broken off of your family, off of you. That spirit of intimidation is crumbling in Jesus name that spirit of anxiety of depression is breaking off of you in Jesus name God says Elijah Elijah why are you here he wasn't mad that Elijah was there he wanted Elijah to just talk to him just say it out loud. What's going on, Elijah? Just get it out. And then God said, okay. God's speaking to you. This week, I believe God has specific words for some of you. I believe there's even pastors here. You've been in a season of exhaustion, depression. Like Elijah, you're a mighty man of God. You've seen great things, and there's nothing wrong with you. Moses came to this place, Jonah was at this place, Job was at this place, David was at this place. Many great leaders have been there before. You're not alone in those feelings or those thoughts. 
The enemy wants to isolate you, make you feel like you're all by yourself, but you're not. That's just his lies, his manipulation. But God says, bring it because I'm going to wash it and I'm going to set you back on track. You're going to get your mind back. You're going to get your voice back. You're going to get your joy back. You're going to get your message back, your sermon. God's given you something to say, but you got to hear what he has to say first. and know that he is God I hear God saying this week stop being busy be still this week I know it's maybe inconvenient but I want you to show up I want you to be in church I want you to lean in I want you to hear I know services might go longer than an hour and you're not used to that but you need to linger the longer you linger the more that you can hear the longer you linger, the more that you can set aside your feelings of distraction and frustration and confusion and anger and rage that you've been building up. God says, I'm going to wash you of that. You don't need to repeat what happened in your family with your dad and grandpa. You don't need to repeat what happened with your mom and grandma. You, you, you need to change that. There's a generational change that's about to happen. God says, I'm establishing something new. This August is going to be the best January you've ever had. Some of you are this close to making a decision and God says, wait for the whisper. Most people don't know this. I read this just two weeks ago. Martin Luther King Jr., the most famous speech in American history, I have a dream. He had prepared his speech, but as he was walking to the stage, he was scribbling and making changes in, a, in the moment. It was scaring his speechwriter. And the words, the most famous words of that speech did not come until he was literally in the middle of his message and Mahalia Jackson was speaking behind him, preach it Martin, preach it Martin, tell him about your dream. He didn't even have on the script the words, I have a dream. When she said it, something came in the middle. He had waited at just the right time to get the words he needed to speak to the nation in the most incredible, I mean, one of the most critical words in our nation at the time. He said, yes, I have a dream. God's going to give you a word in just the last moment. The thing that you need, God's going to speak to you this week. I believe there's going to be some spontaneous words that are going to redirect some things you're facing. There's going to be moments where God interrupts you in the moment and says, I know you were going to decide this, but I've got something different. I want you to go to Bible college. I know you were going to do this, but I want you to put your kids in this school. I know you were gonna do this, but I want you in this job. I know you were gonna quit. I know you had something to say to your boss, but I want you to say this. It's gonna be some direct whispers from God this week. How many are ready to hear a word from God this week? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Let's say this together. Say, Jesus, speak to me. I'm all yours. I surrender. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. Wash me, Lord. Cleanse me, God. Renew my mind. Speak to me. Holy Spirit, direct me. 
I am willing and I will obey. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.